Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. My name is Bronwyn. I'm I'm sitting here with our kids and YA specialist Sarah McDooling. Hello. And we are thrilled to be sitting across from Will Kostakis. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you in. So you're here because you have written a new book. Allegedly, yes. Yes, it's called (laughs) Monuments. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, So Monuments is a thrilling page-turning adventure about three Sydney teenagers who suddenly become empowered with the abilities of creator gods and then get up to mischief around the city trying to find other gods hidden under schools around Sydney basically. I love the con- the concept and the mythology of this book. Where did this idea first come to you? Um, it's been stewing in my head for a really, really long time. I remember watching a cutscene on a Zelda game, like back when I was a kid, <laughs> and it was like one of the first cutscenes I'd ever seen. It was about the world being created, and I was like, "Oh, I want to, I want to create, you know, a mythos like that." I wanted to meld, you know, my love of fantasy literature and fantasy video games with uh, the contemporary fiction that I've been writing for the past decade, and so slowly but surely. I found these characters and these ideas kept coming to me, you know, you know, when you daydream, you like your head pressed up against, you know, the window of the train and you're looking out and you just imagine something amazing happening in your very ordinary hometown. And I wanted to make Sydney extraordinary in the same way that JK Rowling made parts of London extraordinary. Like mm. we won't look at King's Cross station the same way ever again. And you visit our King's Cross station, we're like, oh, that's boring. (laughs) So I wanted to do a little bit of that to our city. Oh, you did that so well as well. I loved reading this book being set in Sydney Mm -hmm. and everything that's going on. Mm. It's it's such – I've been looking forward to this book for a while, ever since getting a taste of what you could do in fantasy with your short story Mm -hmm. in the Love Worlds YA anthology. And don't you love when an author who you already love what they do – just like slides in and is like, guess what? I also do this. And I do it fantastically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you've got to remember that the process of writing this book was, oh my God, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Oh, I hate my was life. Was it really yeah, stressful? Yeah, it was. It was really stressful. Like if you tell me, okay, Will, we want you to write a scene, 20 pages, nothing's allowed to happen. I can smash that out and it'll be entertaining. <laughs> if you tell me, Will, here's this really intricate set piece, go for it. It's my brain turns to mush, oh. but it's been a really great learning curve. And, you know, I want to keep challenging myself. I don't want to be the best author I can be at 23, 25, 30. You know, I want to mm. keep, you know, stretching myself. And while this has been a really fun experience, I've learned so much from it. So now it's a duology. So I get to launch myself into the second book and writing that I can already see how much I've learned and how much easier it is to just sort of combine that contemporary feel with a fantasy world. What do you, what do you think was the biggest challenge kind of switching genres, if that's what we're going to call it? Um, (laughs) I think it's just making sure things are happening all the time. The big problem with the first draft of Monuments was something big would happen and I'm like, great, this big thing has happened. Now I need to give my characters 50 pages to recover from it. And then my editor would be like, that's realistic and lovely. That's boring. As well. <laughs> and so we sort of had to go back and find a way for the characters to react in a really believable way, but in a way that doesn't weigh down the story. And I really wanted to push myself to write an epic page turner. You know, my other books have been ruminations on family and grief. And so for this one, I had to really learn how to keep 
you know, the characters motivated by a plot and it was really fun and, yeah, I can't wait to do more of it. I th- Sorry, Bron. No, 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 keep going. I think, I mean, part of what I always love about your writing is just how, like, I don't know what other word to use, but adorable the characters are. Like, mm-hmm. you always just immediately adore them. Yeah. I loved Connor from the moment he mentioned speaking pancakelish mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just thought, which, by the way, is a language spoken with pancake in your mouth. <laughs> and I just thought that was so cute and immediately I loved him and I think and this is a huge sweeping generalization but I love finding fantasy with that same level of real character development to me it's like a a gem finding that um and I'm wildly off topic what was I gonna ask (laughs) I don't know um I guess yeah, no, that was just me praising you. So, wait, wait, Bron, you should you should ask your question. <laughs> that was just fine. pure praise. The praise is there, fine. There might have been a question buried there somewhere. If it comes back, I'll ask it. But take it away, Bron. <laughs> oh, God, now you put me on the spot. I've forgotten my question. Jeez, Sarah. Um, no, I agree with Sarah. I mean, your characters are just so relatable. I absolutely mm-hmm. love Connor and he. I mean, when you when you write, do you write the plot first or do you write the characters? Um. I knew who Connor was mm-hmm. when I started. I knew it was someone who ran away from his problems and I knew it was someone who had just experienced a friend divorce. Mm-hmm. And so this is someone who has been ostracized and you know he's looking to forge new connections and new relationships. And so um, I knew he slowly revealed himself more to me over time. And you know, originally in the fir- earlier drafts, I was like, oh, I don't want to write a Greek kid again. So that, that the Greekness part of him wasn't there. And his relationship with his family wasn't there because I was like, no, I want to write a story that doesn't rely on family because Will Kostakis does family shtick. I thought that's getting tired. And then I read it. I'm like, wait, this guy goes on this epic adventure and it's like, oh, he has a family apparently. And it, it became, <laughs> became one of those really bad YA novels where there's an absent parent that's never explained and it doesn't mm. affect, mm. you know, their lives. And, you know, whether I like it or not, my experiences are colored by the fact that I had a very present single mother. Even when she wasn't there, I knew she wasn't there because she was working to keep me in school and to get food on the table. So that was always a big part of my life. And so, I can't imagine someone going on an adventure as a 16-year-old and not thinking, oh, crap, what does mum think about this? Or (laughs) I've got to get home before dinner or she'll think something's wrong. Well, it wouldn't be believable. Yeah, Exactly. And it wasn't by adding in the family that suddenly amped up all of the tension as well. Mm -hmm. And that made it so much better. So the family stuff came into it after a few drafts. In terms of Lockie and Sally, Sally as a character is inherently mysterious. And so she was someone who evolved a lot over time. Like one draft, she would be really aloof. The next draft, she was abrasive. And it was just finding that balance where she was, there's a reason why she is secretive, but I didn't want her to be extremely unlikable because if you're reading this really fun book and there's this, you know, one of the main supporting characters is really dour and unpleasant. Like no one would read Harry Potter if Hermione was this sort of <laughs> dead weight who hated the world. And so I had to, or maybe they would have, that could have been fun. Um, but I had to sort of find her and Lockie was always just fully formed. I knew exactly who he wanted to, be. I wanted him to be, you know, he is the person that Connor wishes he was. He is confident. Yep. He is assured. And he's one of those people who 
knows who he is. And mm. the only thing that really happened to him was I aged him up slightly. I aged, I aged okay. everyone up, but um, when I aged him up, he went from, you know, year 12 to first year uni. And right. that was, he became more self-assured because of that shift. Yep. And so he is more of a young man than say Connor is. Connor is still more on the boyish side of things. And that changes obviously uh, over the course of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. We've got to, <laughs> we have to stay spoiler free. I know, but I there's so wanna, many things to say <laughs> that could spoil. Yeah, I, I did want to ask, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that there is an element of time travel in the yes. book, right? Yes. So we can, that's in, that's yeah. out there. Um, was it hard to manage that? Oh, God. <laughs> Post-it notes and just the, the knotting it over in my head. And it was always so difficult to wrap my head around, but. I always wanted to make sure that, you know, a lot of the emotional punches come from this time travel mm-hmm. and I wanted that to be there. And um, I wanted it to be something that is unexpected, but even if you do expect it, it still unfolds in a very strange way that I really, really like. And mm-hmm. I wanted to, this was originally going to be a book with absolutely no villains. Oh, And interesting. so <laughs> they... Our, the protagonists were going to be the reason why everything bad happened. And so that's where the time travel came from for the beginning. They started their problems in the past and then had to reconcile with it in the present, not knowing they would eventually be the persons that's oh, the people that started yeah, yeah. all of the drama. But that resulted in a book with very little tension for <laughs> 70% of it. Okay. And so... I've still ended up with a book where that is still the case, where the decisions they make in the future affect the past in a really significant way. Um, But yeah, it was very tricky to manage, but I hope I've got it right. But oh my God, if you read it and the time travel doesn't work, (laughs) send me an email and let me know and we'll just... just it works. It totally <laughs> it works. works. So I okay. just imagine it would be really hard to keep track of. It is. But then the, every time you edit something, then you have to go back and make sure, okay, what is the ripple effect throughout seven or eight different scenes and different timelines? And, and what if you miss something? And uh, how many post-its are you looking yeah. at now? Like? Yeah, it is a nightmare. But it was good. I've done that and never again. <laughs> never no again. more time travel ever again. What about book two? Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Speaking of book two. Speaking of book two. So, so Monuments is the first book in a duology. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when can we expect book two? So book two is going to be released in August 2020. That's soon. Um, it's soon. It's stressful, <laughs> but, you know, it's that I always write best when I've got a fire lit under me. And so uh, everything I've written now is really, really exciting. And the premise itself it is the second half to the whole where mm. you have book one is the adventure, but book two is reconciling with the realities of coming home after an adventure and just what the effect of that is it's, on yeah. you and the world around you. And, you know, the stakes are quite high by the end of monuments. And so dealing with those high stakes and finding your place in the world after you've changed so much it's something I'm really excited to explore. I'm really excited to read. Yeah, same. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. you were telling us a little bit about it, which we won't go into here, but we just, we were salivating. Yeah. <laughs> we were ready. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Again, I don't, just like, we'll edit this out if this is too spoilery. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so in this world, you have these monument godlike yes. beings mm-hmm. and they have powers. Mm-hmm. 
are you comfortable to sort of talk about what the powers are? And then my okay. follow-up question is which one of them would okay. you want? Yes. So <laughs> uh, the monuments themselves, there are five gods. They're creator gods. Because I was free to create my own sort of mythology and my own creation myth, I was like, great. I want to create, you know, a version of gods where the world was crafted like a work of art, you know, you had somebody who molded it like clay and then you had someone who created life, someone who tempered the temperature. So you had heat and then you had ice and then someone who bound it all together, mm. you know, with gravity. And, you know, these are people who lovingly created it, but as creators, their job is done now, but they still have their abilities. And so they then over the course of the book, some of them transfer their powers on in a particular way. And so, if I were to take on the powers, I reckon the coolest power that you see in the book is the ability to manipulate sort of forces of gravity and things awesome. like that. So, you know, leaping from building to building is totally my jam and exactly what I would want to do on a Sunday night. I think that'd be the most <laughs> I think useful. I'd want that one too. Yeah. Are we going to have to fight over it? Uh, no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I'll take I'll take strength. <laughs> and then I will win the fight. And then I will get your power. <laughs> ah, okay. Death threats aside. Yes, death threats um, aside. <laughs> so you've got book two is on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, what else does the future hold for Will Kostakis that you're allowed to talk about? Nothing that I'm allowed to talk about. Ah, um, mystery. Things are happening. But look, <laughs> I am looking to become more prolific. Usually there's a three or four year wait between my books. That's definitely not the case with the next one. And yeah, it's definitely not going to be the case in the future, I want to be writing faster and I have lots of ideas. I'm bursting at the seams to tell these stories and it seems to me that people are eager to read them. So mm, I'm really so. excited to see the next YA novels that I write. Dabbling possibly in middle grade, we'll see how that goes, but I really like the YA space at the moment. And then, you know, maybe I will write, you know, my real book someday and my <laughs> adult book. <laughs> um, but at the moment, look, I have uh, a diverse group of readers, whether they're teenagers or young adults or mm. old young adults <laughs> um, and young adults at heart. So I'm really happy in the space that I'm in and people seem to be happy with the space that I'm in. So oh, 100%. Yeah. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you and your writing process. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm curious to find out what your favourite part of writing a book is. Is it the building the character arcs or is it the great dialogue or yeah. is it world building with this kind of book? Or it's, I think dialogue is, yeah. that's where I'm at home. Like give me three people in a car and let them be sassy. And I would there's read a book in that. that. Yeah, is there that, is. Yeah, that's like, that's oh, a lot like, of this book though. Like the <laughs> breakfast club in the car. I would happily read a book that was just 100% Will Kostaka's banter. Like yeah, I would do exactly. that. <laughs> well, this is why I asked the question because, I mean, I love your dialogue. It just, yeah. It's so fun and especially um, Con, he's just such a lovable character mm. and things he said and would think made me chuckle so much. Yeah. Um, and you clearly you love writing dialogue and you are very good at it. Yeah, it's it's always fun to sort of – I I always used to laugh at authors who'd be like, oh, yes – I didn't write this. The character spoke through me and their words were so effortless. And I'm just like, oh, you sound like you have issues. Um, But that's what it felt like with this book sometimes where these characters, I'd spent, you know, six, seven years with them in my head that by the time it came to write them, it felt so effortless. And it was like Mm -hmm. I was just watching this conversation from above being like, this is really fun. I would want to be friends with all of you. 
would too. Yeah. So because you like writing the dialogue, mm-hmm. does that mean that there are like outtakes and outtakes of just dialogue <laughs> that we haven't got to see in the so book? So many and there was a lot of <laughs> stuff that's it's always really difficult to cut out the really funny stuff but that doesn't have a place Mm. in a scene or if Mm. dialogue goes on too long then you lose the tension of a scene so it's like trying to balance that but I'm always trying to be a people pleaser but if I write a line of dialogue I'm like I will move heaven and earth to put that in there somewhere if I really 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 am passionate about it so anything I've cut out will have to go in the sequel in some way would you ever consider releasing like Outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> no. Because it's, it's out for a reason. Well, yeah. look, yeah, no, it doesn't fit for a reason. Mm. And if it's good enough, it'll find its place. And that makes yeah, sense. That, mm. that for me. Like there's, there's one thing that I really had to cut out and it was there's a running gag throughout the book of a burrito place <laughs> that um, – that you that, may not want to eat at. That you yeah. wouldn't want to eat because they had a salmonella <laughs> outbreak. And so that, in, in the final chapter, I was going to do a callback to that because that final <laughs> chapter features so many callbacks to so much of the book. And that was, but I had to cut that out because it was just, it was too funny and it didn't fit with the tone of that final <laughs> chapter. But it was like they stopped to eat a burrito and then he kind of finally eats a burrito in this scene. And it's so And he's like, he's, it, no, it's really, really good. <laughs> oh, okay. And then Sally nods and she's like, yeah. It's the danger. <laughs> like, I love that, and I, but I had to get rid of it. Oh, but I'm no. like, okay, at some point in the sequel, like, they're going to, he's going to, Connor, I have to fulfill that arc. Connor has to eat the burrito. Um, and everyone's listening to this with no context going, this book sounds strange. There are gods and, and burritos. burritos. And time, time travel. travel. Well, that's, that's, that's what I should name the sequel, Gods and Burritos. It sounds, like, it. It sounds like a really weird Lana Del Rey song. <laughs> Um, I love it. Before we wrap up, we've got some quick fire questions I'd love to ask you if you're up for it. Okay. So um, the last book you read and adored. Last book that I read and adored was The Place Where Things Come Back by John Corey Whaley. Absolutely. I I think it's The Place Where Things Come Back or Where Things Come Back. A title like that. It won (laughs) The Prince and I was reading it. I'm a really harsh sort of reader, especially if I'm editing my own work. Um, And, you know, Two or three chapters in, I'm like, oh, is this working for me? And then by the end, I was just a bawling, sobbing mess. And it was just, I had to message him to be like, is this what I think it is? And then he did that whole, it's whatever you want it to be. (laughs) No, that is not. I need a definitive answer. The author is not dead. (laughs) My Facebook friend, tell me. You must answer. No, it was a real experience. So, And it felt really timeless. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's on the TBR now. Um, where do you write and at what time of day? Um, usually when I don't have anything to write on or write with, that's when I'll get my burst of inspiration. I'll have to type something on my Trust. phone. So that'll be – but it's mostly – I write mostly at night after spending the day procrastinating. No, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's... Um, do you have any neat tricks that keep yourself going – to keep yourself going, you know, word count quotas, writing exercises, anything like that? I used to have word count quotas. I have like an Excel spreadsheet that's like today you wrote, you know, a hundred <laughs> words. Tomorrow you have to write 300. And like, it's that really great. Stressful. It's really great it when you're hitting it. But when you've got three or four days where you've done nothing mm-hmm. but delete stuff, it's really terrible. And then you sink in a hole. And so yeah. for me, I'm just like, great. Word targets are fine. Like my bare minimum of like 200 a day, like that's the bare minimum. But besides that, just make sure that I'm enjoying it and yeah. just motivate myself by getting up out of my chair because the second you're sitting in there and you're sort of stuck in your own head 
then your motivation just goes down. So I find mm. if I keep active and then come and write and write in like 30 minutes, yep. I get more done than I would have if I sat there stressing. Well, yep. that makes sense. Um, what's the first thing you do after you've delivered a finished book? Um, have nightmares about typos. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I've had the worst typo ever, which was, well, I thought it was the worst typo ever where my first book on the front page, like you opened it up, Will Kostakis is a 19-year-old, 19 spelt wrong. Oh, no. First page. Oh. And everyone was like, there's a typo, N-I-N-T-E-E-N. Missing the E. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And I thought there can be nothing worse than that. And then for my last book, there was a typo on the back cover. Oh, no. Which was like, oh, I've done it. On the cover. What was it? Awarding winning author. Oh, Awarding. <laughs> it's so hard to notice typos when yeah. you're that close to it though. And it's and it's because it's on the cover you don't see it because yeah. there's no squiggly red line saying yeah. that's not a word. That's <laughs> not how we speak English. So yeah. <laughs> but look, it's the first like after I stress out about typos, I just sort of relax. Mm-hmm. I just do all the things that I could that I couldn't do when I had that stress over my head, like mm-hmm. play a mm-hmm. video game, yes. read five or six books that I've been waiting for and just socialize yep. for yeah. about a week of mm-hmm. just sort of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, it okay if from now on I refer to you as Will Kostakis awarding winning author? <laughs> Nineteen year old awarding year award winning, awarding winning. That's hard to say, awarding winning. Um, who's the first person that you let read your work? Is there someone special? That- I have a team of librarians, and so, but they're all very like, they're very combative and they're all very <laughs> possessive and they all want to be the first person that reads right. it. So um, there's one librarian who's been a support since day one. So I send it to her and a couple of English teachers around the country who love reading my work. But I used to give it to my mum first off. Of course. And then she'd get pissed off because my work <laughs> changes so much from edit to edit that she's like, just give it to me when it's done. I don't <laughs> want to read it and know it's going to change. And so, um, yeah. That doesn't really answer your question. I'm just like, <laughs> I give my books to everyone. everyone. The publishers are in the back, just like dragging their fingers against stop, their neck, stop. going, "Stop it! You're going to, your book's going to leak one day." And I'll be like, "Oh, will it though?" Um, do you have a favorite children's book? Oh, tough a, question. Okay, mm. favorite young adult novel yep. Yep, is mm-hmm. uh, the whole business with Kiffo and the Pitbull, mm-hmm. which. I can say this because I told Barry this, hate the title, <laughs> but it's a book that it was the book that spoke to me as a kid in year 11 mm-hmm. who was sort of hadn't really discovered YA in a big way. The voices were so real. Uh, the Just everything they went through was so funny and so heartfelt and the plot itself, if you ever have a reluctant teen reader, this is the book to give to them because okay. you just say, great, Two kids in the Northern Territory um, in year 10 think their English teacher is a drug dealer and that she killed one of their brothers. Go. Wow. And you just watch every kid I say that to, reads it, and then they send me an email going, haven't read your book yet, but I read that (laughs) book you told me about, and it was amazing. Yeah, no, I want to read it now. That was great. That sounds awesome. But, yeah, Barry's going to be on everybody's radar next year when his – the film based on his young adult novel, uh, My Life is an Alphabet, H is for Happiness, uh, releases. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, do you have a favourite snack while you're writing? Tim Tams. Oh, yes. good choice. I answered so quickly. You that did. Was very quick. 
I know you know yourself. <laughs> Come on, that's great. Um, what's the nicest thing that anyone's ever said about your writing? Um, this is where you can really slide in a very good humble brag. Yeah. But it's it's always like when a teenager come up, comes up to me and said, oh, I was expecting it to be bad, but it <laughs> but wasn't. It was like that for <laughs> me, like even though compliment. it's not even, but it's not even like <laughs> praise. It's just like tepid acknowledgement of having read something. Like that, that means a lot. But no, for me, it's it's whenever I hear that, so there was, there was one school that took Of Mice and Men off the syllabus and put the sidekicks on. Yes. And I'm like, yes, I want to get on the front of my cover better than Steinbeck. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so what happened was the teacher was telling me uh, about it and she was like, look, you know, last year of 150 kids in the cohort, three kids read Of Mice and Men. Whoa. This year of 150 students only three kids hadn't finished the sidekicks. Wow. So it wasn't even that they weren't reading it. It's that they hadn't finished yet. Oh, what and that a was a huge compliment. It, yeah. So for me, something like that means the absolute world to me. Absolutely. That's yeah. But if you would like to send me other praise, my email is will at willkostakis.com. <laughs> I am very open to receiving all kind of mail. Even hate mail is fun. I just like seeing my inbox tick over. <laughs> it's really lovely. Um, and lucky last question. Do you, is there a bit of writing advice that stuck with you or something that you often tell people? What happens in a story is about 10% of what's important. 90% of what's important is how you tell that story. So the voice of your characters, you know, the urgency, all those little X factor stuff. So don't worry so much about the plot of your book. Worry about who your characters are and how you know, when someone's reading a book, you know, you are inviting them, or sorry, rather, when you're writing a book, you're inviting readers to spend time with characters. And so you have to make sure those characters are inviting. That doesn't mean that they're likable, but it's just mm-hmm. that you like to hang out with them and watch them and see what they do. Mm-hmm. So make sure your characters are there. And if they're not quite there yet, chill, figure out who they are, or, you know, dabble a bit and come back and yeah that's great advice very (laughs) solid advice well well thank you so much for coming and chatting us to us today thank you so much i had had a lot of fun cheers and podcast listeners you can get monuments and all of will's other books at booktopia.com.au thanks for joining us thanks for listening to the booktopia podcast don't forget to subscribe to us on soundcloud and itunes and if your eyeballs need a workout Check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget, for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.